Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. Good morning. really wonderful just to take some time this morning at the end of worship just to, to be with the Lord, wasn't it? It's just something so special about acknowledging his presence, and it's, it's like his ever-presence, and often we're the ones who just, uh, we wander off in our, in our minds, and, and the moment that we really become present, I think that what, what's happening is um, Paul's prayer starts to get answered, that the eyes of our hearts get opened. Um, his prayer isn't that we would be transported someplace else. His prayer is that our eyes would be opened so we'd realize that we're already seated in heavenly places. We're already surrounded by glory. And even, you know, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's a, a physical metaphor of a spiritual reality. And a deeper reality is that when we become thankful, we're not going somewhere else. We're realizing where we already are. We're, realized, we're realizing that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, and he's always with us. And I think that one of the most glorious realities along this line, the things that, that happens as, through the progression of, of Psalm 23 is that we, we realize that even in the valleys, even in the really hard times, that valley of the shadow of death, we realize that he was with us. He is with us. And it's incredibly comforting, isn't it? When we realize that he is with us every moment. So um, I really love you guys. I love this gathering of the saints. It's, um, it's special and it's, it's a privilege to be able to come together and worship with you guys. And I look around the room and I just see so many people that Ashley and I, we've done a lot of life with, and we're so appreciative and so thankful, and we feel so surrounded by, by love and, and strong support. And it's just, it's an incredible blessing to have this kind of uh, spiritual family. And so if you're a visitor or, or checking us out, we're, we're honored by your presence. We're so glad that you're here, and we pray that you would find a place where your heart feels very much at home, uh, a place where you're surrounded by, by people who love you. So um, it's, a, it's Christmas movie season. It is upon us. Anybody else love Christmas movies? Yeah. I love them. Hallmark researchers recently announced that they're really close to developing a second plot. Really, really close. <clears throat> Anyone in here started your Christmas shopping? By a show of hands. Let's see. Let's see who's like, who's like the real Christmas elf. Who started a week ago? Whoa. Who started two weeks ago? What? Who started a month ago shopping for Christmas? What in the world? I don't know what Enneagram type you are, but um, <laughs> I'm jealous. Um, <clears throat> so is anybody completely finished with? Wow, that's just, y'all have kids too. That's just second level. Wow, wow, wow. Um, we, well, we've started. We're definitely not finished. And 
none of the presents under the Christmas tree are barking, so my kids are already disappointed. But... <laughs> it took them three years to wear me down to get one dog. Number two isn't going to happen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I love it when uh, like you gather with extended family, and there's on the Christmas present tag, uh, it, it says, from mom and dad but dad has absolutely no clue what's inside that box. <laughs> my, my three-year-old Shiloh, he's, he's already enamored with the Christmas tree and presents. He has to know what every day he asks so many times every day, can I open these presents? Dad, when it's tomorrow Christmas, I'm like, oh, bud, you got a whole month, kid. <clears throat> It's so fun to watch him. He's a, I just love like the anticipation and how it's nearly killing him. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch my kids unwrap the presents. Like it, any mom or dad in here knows like that feeling. Like you've, you've worked to get these presents there and, and wrap them and spent the money and all this, everything that comes with preparing for that moment, and you're really just so excited to see the look on your kid's face, um, for them to actually have a, a moment when they tangibly feel that they're loved. A moment where like, kids, kids are extra selfish, right? And so we have to speak their love language, which is candy and gifts. And so when, you, when they have that moment where they feel loved in their language, it's, it's really, really special. And, and um, I want to be um, this morning in this, this season where we're anticipating, the remembering the coming of the Lord, the greatest gift of all. I want us to be like Shiloh, my three-year-old, and just we can't, we can't wait to, to see what the Holy Spirit has for us this month and in a way to unwrap this gift of Christ all over again, and I want us to also realize that our Father in heaven is really excited. He's excited in this very moment. There are gifts that he has prepared for everyone in the room. You know, the Holy Spirit is here, and the Holy Spirit is able to love and meet every single one of us in a special way where we're at right now, and the Lord, he just loves to love us in the way where we know how to receive love. He meets us where we're at, and so if you're like a kid and, and your, your love language is candy and gifts, he's coming with something for you because he is that good of a father, amen? <clears throat> so it's Advent season, Advent, if, um, if you were raised in the charismatic church, maybe devoid of a lot of the uh, rich traditions of um, you know, the liturgical cal- calendar and whatnot, I want you to know that Advent simply means the, the arrival of something or someone really important, someone notable. And of course, there's nothing more important than the arrival of Christ. There's no one more notable than Jesus himself. And so Advent season is us remembering how Christ came, preparing our hearts to receive him again and looking forward to his ultimate return once again. <laughs> Believers around the world are, uh, are gathered right now and they're going through you know, traditional verses. And it's really kind of a, a time to go 
back to the basics. And, and what I also, um, what I want to have happen in our hearts this, is I want us to experience the, the celebration and embody the celebration that's somewhat reminiscent of when the, the shepherds in the field saw the angels singing for joy. That there is a, a literal party going on in heaven right now because of the victory of the lamb who came through the virgin Mary. It's called the incarnation. He lived a perfect life and died a perfect death. And he didn't just die for us. He died as us. And we all died and we have resurrected and raised to the, to the throne along with him. And it's just this wonderful, beautiful reality. And this is why the angels were singing, I, we're bringing good news. It's goodwill for all. This is a really, really wonderful time to, to celebrate. And, uh, you know, this season for the next few Sundays, churches all around the world are revisiting uh, the heroes of those passages and, and we're singing traditional songs. And one of my, one of my favorite hymns is, um, you know, you, you guys know the words, uh, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. You guys sound beautiful. Yeah, those, those lines read, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. There's a, a really stirring picture in these lyrics that paints not only the reality, the history of, of Israel, but it it paints a picture of our own lives uh, about ransom and, and exile. And we've visited the, the theme and metaphor of ransom several times, but just really quickly, let me just revisit it with you guys. Um, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus comes along and says, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. There it is. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And then again in 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, it says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. And then in Revelation, you know, when John gets, you know, 
plucked up into heaven through the open door and he sees the beautiful throne room scene and the angels and elders and four living creatures singing. It's this majestic, beautiful moment. I mean, he's surrounded with just indescribable beauty. He even says there's, there's no words to describe. Everything he's trying to describe, he's saying it's like this and like that. It's just beauty beyond comprehension and all this singing and glory. But he, he actually misses, he misses the main guest or not, the, the, the main topic of, of beauty. He misses it for a moment and is, he's taken by the glory and grandeur of everything all around him. And then someone says, is there anyone worthy to open the scroll? And he's, he's like, he's looking around. He begins to weep because he, he doesn't know if there is. And then the, an elder obviously says to him, don't weep. Look, behold, look at the lamb at the center. And then he realizes that the holy, holy, holies and the worthy, worthy, worthies that everyone is singing is actually directed at this lamb. And it goes into this beautiful um, song, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and you purchased for God or ransomed for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So uh, I have good news, everyone. If, with this, this topic of ransom, the good news is that the bad guys have been paid off. Right? <laughs> this is really, really wonderful news. But not only that, but we were, we were kidnapped. We were bamboozled and shanghaied and taken into uh, distant lands away from every, our comfortable, beautiful paradise of a home. And we... When, when Jesus did what he did, what he did is he transferred us from the domain of darkness back into the family of love, back into this experience of oneness with God. And not only that, he, he set us free from our fear of death. And in Hebrews 2.14, it says, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, so that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, that's us, he frees us who through our fear of death were subject to slavery all of our lives. I think that in ancient times, uh, kidnapping and ransoming was maybe even more common than it is today. You have stories like when, when Joseph is sold into slavery or, and stories when uh, the guys like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were um, taken captive. They, they went into exile. And, and back in those days, you had wandering you know, like nomadic tribes, and maybe they would sneak into your encampment at night and take one of your beloved family members and take them to a distant land and send a, a letter demanding ransom. And if you can imagine, if, if you were the one who was taken from your family back then and, and bound and, and taken far, far away into a, a land that you don't know and subjugated by, by people who are more powerful than you, you know that you can't save yourself you can't ransom yourself. You, have, you absolutely are going to need someone to save you. And I believe that Christianity, without this core understanding of our inability to save ourselves, Christianity, without that, it gets watered down into self-help. And 
we, or it becomes some idealistic moralism where we're just coming up with solutions for fixing the problems of this world and we use things like social reform and trying to elect the right government officials and let's try harder or, or like together we can fix this kind of, you know, we are the world attitude and that is, that is devoid of the, the truth of our absolute need for a savior. If that's the case, then Jesus becomes just another teacher calling us to a higher standard or something. But we didn't need another teacher. We needed someone to pay our ransom and bring us back. See, we, we had a sin sickness that we were born into under Adam, right? It's a deception, this sickness. It's, and it's so, it's so pervasive that it, it attaches itself almost to us at like a DNA level. And not only that, we're born into a, a dysfunctional family that we can't escape. Or it, it's like, uh, you know, maybe if ransom is a difficult metaphor for us to understand nowadays, it's like addiction. Addiction, we, we know that we've, we've had friends and in, in, in ourselves, we've, we've dealt with things where we got trapped, slowly, subtly got trapped into something. And then addiction gets to the point where you can't free yourself, can you? This is where you nod. This intervention is needed. You need people to help you. You need to be saved not just by people, but by the grace and power of God. One of the, some of the, the key verses for like Advent that are being read all around the world today have to do with humanity crying out for a savior, crying out to be rescued. In Isaiah 64, one, it says, oh, the you would rend the heavens and come down. Psalm 80, verses one through three say, hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. See, we were the ones who at one point, we're kidnapped away from our family, taken out of the paradise of our home. But not only that, we were put in an atmosphere of the darkened mind with a proclivity for, for sin and a trajectory towards death. And on top of all of that, scripture says that all of creation was subject to futility. And not only, so not only were we like, made sick and, and deceived by sin, but sin also messed up all of creation around us. This is something that no teacher could teach us out of. So when did this problem occur? Open to Genesis 3, verse 15. We know the story well. Eve was deceived. Adam followed suit. In disobeying God, they were tricked into a worthless trade. They traded everything they had for something that they thought they didn't already have when they already had it. <clears throat> we were outwitted and enslaved and placed under a wicked taskmaster. It was literal spiritual oppression and slavery. 
But God, compelled by his love, already had a ransom ready. He had a savior prepared. So here you're reading about the fall of man and the consequences of following the serpent into delusion and death, but also we see God's plan for how he's going to deal with that serpent. Because I will put enmity, this is God speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that word for offspring is seed. And some translations even capitalize it because we know that the seed coming from the woman who would eventually crush the serpent's head is obviously Christ himself. Now, um, one of the most famous verses for this season is Isaiah 7.14. So we know that the woman was deceived, but God gives this He gives some good news in the midst of all of these horrible consequences that a child would come, a seed would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And then in Isaiah 7, 14, it gets a little bit more clear. The Lord is saying, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. And of course, we know that this is like... We have the benefit of hindsight and growing up, and most of us you know, went through Sunday school, so we know that this is fulfilled in Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Can you put Matthew 1 up? Oh, you're so fast. Good job. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. And so we know when the problem started, right? It was back in in the garden. We we were in the paradise that God designed for us to walk with him in in the cool of the day. We, We were made like God. And the temptation that the tempter used with Eve, the deception that he used, he used something that she already had. God knows that if you eat this fruit, you'll be made like him. Your eyes will be open. You'll be made like him. And she was already made like him. Can you put up that that picture, that painting? This is a famous painting. There you see Eve wrapped up by the deception of the serpent around her ankle, stretching out her hand, touching the the womb of Mary while she's crushing the head of the serpent. Isn't this beautiful? I learned recently that the the Hebrew word for, uh, for mercy, 
Sorry, guys. I'm just going to read this. (laughs) The Hebrew word for mercy is rahaim, and it's a noun, but it's also used as a verb, and it happens often in prayer. Rahamim. But when it's a verb, rahem means to, to have mercy or have mercy. And that word is the same word for womb. And I was just struck this week by the goodness of God. We love you. God's plan, excuse me. God's plan for uh, redemption depended not just on a, a dad and his strength, but on a mother and her tenderness. The sacrifice that a mother makes to give her children life and then the sacrifice of every day for them, I think it best illustrates the heart of God for saving us out of the hand of the enemy. God is holding you right now just like a mother. There's all these scriptures that point to this reality of the mother heart of God. Can a mother forget her nursing baby? God can't forget you. And I I think that like a ferocious mother providing for her children and believing in them and rescuing her child countless times, like a mom who without a second thought would lay her life down for for her child, this is our God who ransomed us from, from exile. I don't know about you, but there were times in my life when no one could love me but my mom. <laughs> she, saw, she saw past all of my uh, deception and delusion and wandering and remembered that little boy. And I believe that the heart of God this morning for us is that he's seeing past all the the lies that we've gotten trapped in, the deception, delusions. No matter where we've wandered to, he's looking at each one of you like that little perfect boy, that little perfect girl that he so cherishes. And he's bringing you close. And Right now, can we just stand? And um, I'm gonna pray. This will be how we end things today. Father, we thank you that when we needed to be saved, you had already set a plan in motion. When we needed to be ransomed, you had already cashed out heaven in anticipation for that moment. When we needed to be brought home, you were already on a journey towards us. Thank you that just like a a mother, your mercy is wrapping around us I pray, God, for all my friends in this room that as we're celebrating your coming, 
uh, this month, Lord, that we would today especially feel your affection, your arms of affection around us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the safety and the nurturing of uh, the womb. And we pray, God, that you would nurture us back to health and wholeness. And we celebrate what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.